the things where you used to make me cry make me laugh now you know but at the end of the day i feel that like the lemon make a lemonade you know to make it sweet you know but you have to just make it drinkable somebody gonna like it hi i am carrie ann reed brown and this is carry on friends the caribbean american podcast where we have conversations around culture heritage career entrepreneurship and everyday life that make up the Caribbean American experience. While there are many common themes in the stories of our guests, their experiences are unique to them, shaping, changing, or propelling them in some way. This is one of those stories. Most people know me as Ingrid Banton from way back when. So I'm a Kingston girl. I'm originally from Duhaney Park, Kingston 20, right under the clock, born at Whitfield Nursing Home. So anybody will remember that? That's my little place. And then uh, 10 years ago, um, I moved to the States. So at this point in the interview, Ingrid and I were very comfortable with each other. So I commented that she just reached America. And then I asked her what made her migrate only recently. Carry on. You're ready for this? Lord have mercy. I want to tell you when I drink out there right now. <laughs> but uh, so in 2002, my daughter, my eldest child was kidnapped. What? I mean, she did ask if I was ready. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. But in retrospect, when a Jamaican, Caribbean, or anybody asks, you ready for this? I should have known there was a story, but I certainly didn't expect to hear this story. Okay, make we rewind and come again and start from right here. So So in 2002, my daughter, my eldest child was kidnapped from me in Jamaica by somebody that I know. So I sent her here to spend time with her father. And she was supposed to come up for the summer and come back home. And she never come back home. Um, so like I said, it was somebody that I knew. It was my my daughter's father's um, girlfriend. And I at that time, I really didn't even know that they had broken up. Because we've always, the three of us have always been in communication, stayed close and whatnot. And and she came and she said that my daughter father wants want my daughter to come up and be, you know, be more to spend time with her. So she it's three years now she's bugging me to send her. I'm telling her no. And then the last year, everybody, my mother and everybody said, no man, Ingrid, send her. You know, America, this and that. I'm going to support my kids and I'm going to live to spend some time. Anyway, little did I know that this lady had a plan to, to take away my child. I um, sent her and we, I, did, I didn't get her back. And I've been searching for my daughter for seven years. Seven years of searching, high and low, everywhere. One year she had called me. And when she called me, she sounds scripted. And I'm trying to talk to her now. And I remember I get a pen and paper 
and say, let me write down the information because they would call me, but they would never let her call me from a number that I can call back. One time they, she called me and when I called back the number, the number disconnected. And this went on for a number of years. When she and I were talking on the phone, she told me that she played basketball. And I asked her the name of her school. She told me, Campbell Middle School. And I said, where you live now? And she said, Smyrna. And she said, Smyrna where? And she said, Smyrna, Georgia. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper. You know, conversation carried on and stuff like that. I asked her about, you know, what she doing and stuff like that. And I think right when I'm going to ask her, for the number for where they are, the phone got disconnected. And I never heard from her again. Like I said, I write down the information on an envelope. And the next morning when I wake up, I can't find the envelope. I don't know where the envelope was, but I couldn't find it. And for years with her, battling, battling on how to find this girl. One night I, I couldn't sleep, kept dreaming about her. And I went across the street. I saw my neighbor outside chilling and I asked him if I can borrow his computer and he told me to use it. And I searched, the name just popped into my head, just as I'm talking to you now. The name just come up, Campbell Smoke School, Smyrna, Georgia. And I typed it in the computer and I found it. They had just won a championship and she was the captain of the team and they were holding up the trophy. You know, when you see my picnic on the computer screen, me nearly dropped down. This was a Friday, a Friday evening. And of course, you know, say school closed now. I can't call Saturday, I can't call Sunday. So I have to contain my emotions until Monday. Wait, after seeing a photo of my child for the first time in seven years, and I'm on the verge of finally being able to locate her, I have to contain myself? Mm-mm. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Monday came and I called the number for the school. And I told them who I was and how imperative it is that they kept my identity confidential. And I want to speak to my daughter. And the lady said to me, but her mother is outside here. And I said, no, 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 no. If you let that lady know that you're talking to me, they're going to move my child and I'm not going to ever find her again. And it's seven years now I'm searching for her. Eventually, we long and short of it all, we get to the bottom of it. My daughter was now a runaway. And she was running away from home so much so that she was going to be placed into the system. Luckily for me, I spoke with the probation officer and the attorney who told me that I need to come to America immediately because there is a court hearing. Because she keeps running away, they're going to put her into foster care. And the only way to stop that is if I am there. Because their understanding is that I I'm non-existent. I was deceased and that's why she had my daughter. Oops. But I remember going to the embassy and telling them the story. And the guy said to me, say, okay, hold on a minute. And he asked me a couple more questions. And he went to the back and they said that, like, they're saying that the story don't make sense. Then the way the guy came back, he said, yeah, you're working? And I said, yes. I was working at United General Insurance at the time as a group accountant there. And I gave him my job letter and my pay stub and all of that. And he gave me a visa. Wait, wait. I got so many questions. Was the father in on it? Where was he this whole time? So he had left. He, had, he and this person broke up and left and gone. And we weren't communicating anymore. We, didn't, we, we had stopped communicating 
over the years because this is where it gets weird because I was mad. I never talked to him. So I only talk to her. I don't talk to him. I mean, I have nothing to do with him. Just she alone, which was really dumb. And so they broke up and her plan was to use my daughter to get him back. And then whenever time she got into contact with him, she made it seem that if I gave her my daughter. This still not make sense to me. Why wouldn't he ask you why you gave both of your child away to somebody else? That don't make no sense. And it never made no sense. And that's what me said to him. Said, said, if she tells you that, why you not call me and ask me? Even when me not chat to you, you know how to reach me. You understand? So it was, it, it caused so much pain and anguish for no reason at all. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's hard for really decipher because it don't make no sense. Hmm. Okay. So what happened next now that you got the visa? emergency visa came up the Tuesday, went to court and all of that. And that's how I got my daughter, got my daughter back from Georgia. And um, I told him that I'm taking her back to Jamaica. And the judge told me if I'm taking her back to Jamaica, he cannot give her guardianship to me. And I said, this is my child and I don't live here. He said, no, I don't know what I'm thinking. Jamaica is some bush place or something. But he was like, no, we can't send her back there. She's Americanized. And the cultural difference between the two countries is going to set her back. And he's, so much so it's like them really now are in our foster care. So I had to decide now to give over guardianship to my mother, who is an American. And so I decided to do that because my life is in Jamaica. It's not in America. So... I said, all right, I'm going to send the paper. I said, I'm going to give her to my mother, but I can't her at home. And of course, everybody intervened again. No, you can't do that. Da, 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 da. So I came home, think about it, and I went back up in a week's time. Came back to America. Then we moved to Philadelphia, where she's living with my mom and everything. I spent four months, and with my visa almost, you know, you get six months. I spend four out of the six and go back home and spend one week in Jamaica and come back to America. Every time I leave, this girl give peer problems. And my mother said, listen, you either have to take your picnic or suffer because we can't deal with this. And I am so torn now because I, at this time, I had more children. I had two other children. And I am like torn now because of course my kids them do have no visa and them can't come America. So what am I going to do now? And then she has gone seven years out of her life without me. By this time she was now a teenager. She was 14 years old. And when Mr. Rebellious yeah, that give me hell because it's like she's trying to persecute me for what wrong. She felt I gave her away because that's what she's been told for seven years that I don't want her. So I had to dis- make a decision about coming to America. Now, when I came, I went to get visa for my two kids. And the lady just about to give me the visa for the, ki- the, the, the kids then. And then she said, Hold, um, what's the longest you ever spent out of the country? And I said, four months. And she took back the passport from me. 
and looking at the passport. I just said, no, this is not four. This is eight months. If I didn't know them, that's her from a visa. <laughs> that's all I know. She take back, she give me back the birth certificate and gave me back my passport and say, you need to establish better travel patterns. And, and on that note, I won't be able to grant you a visa for them. So, of course, no. Because my intention was to get their visa and so they could do, we, we could all travel back and forth, you know? But it didn't work out that way. I end up staying um, for a year. I cannot even begin to imagine what Ingrid has gone through up until this point. Having to make difficult decisions, finally finding the child that you haven't seen in over seven years, and now having to make or live life in America. So, um, my friend, and I'm not getting any work in Philadelphia. And she said to me, say, Ingrid, come on New York, man. I'm saying, come on New York, what am I going to do on New York? And she said, I have a friend, I know somebody will have a bar. I said, bar? Lord. Well, so I came to New York to get the job and she, she tell her landlord, say, our friend will come work at the bar where him go. So I asked her, say, if him can date me. So she said, no. So she, she too uppity and she have our picnic there, man. She love money. <laughs> and you have your holy for life and a gas bill for pay. That's what she tell you. <laughs> but anyway, I got dressed, getting ready to go to work. I come down the stairs. Anyway, I see this nice, splashy smile. You know, man said, where you go, Pastor <laughs> Oh, this but he pretty. I don't even know him. I'm asking. <laughs> but anyway, I said, yeah, I figured it was him because she told me. So anyway, I went to work. Is him that rich? So everybody at the bar bust out and said, Georgia, we are there so early. So I'm like, oh, I need my father. <laughs> so anyway. They, they had karaoke and serving drinks and, and talking and everything. And then this guy came, said that he wanted to talk to me. He just pushed the man and said, listen, I'm a woman this time. I don't want nobody to talk to my woman. So when I look up, he said, the man, I am have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen for a person. Am I gray, blue, get aquamarine? It was pretty. And Mr. At the first time I see him, I know, you know. And in Louis, the man just all my son. <laughs> Love at first. I never had this experience before ever in my life. It was different. Everything, I don't know, it just flowed. And the next thing I know, my CM host, they give me a key. And six months later, we are getting married. After all this, yes. Ingrid, yes, you deserve some love at first sight and some joy in your life. So tell us more about this marriage, your kids. What's next? We went to City Hall and get married. And I sent for my kids. And right during that time, my husband owned a commercial cleaning company. Small business. We're doing house cleaning. And so I asked him one day, I said, we went to clean this person house. Let me tell you something, I feel like, I feel sick in my stomach, the condition of the bathroom. And it was a little young girl. And I said, Courtney, I need some minute, I can't do this no more. I can't clean the people, I also people are too nasty. 
I'm here say, no, I can't do this, man. I can't do this. And him say, why you not just do commercial cleaning? And him say, no, man, that hard and it's not easy for this and that. And him start telling me all the reason why. At the time, my younger brother was getting married and he came, he went to Jamaica for the wedding. I was pregnant at the time and I couldn't travel. So I, when he was away for the three weeks, I re- did some research on cleaning. So I went to the Cleaning Management Institute website and I signed up. I took some cleaning, commercial cleaning courses in carpet cleaning, floor restoration, hardwood floor restoration. Um, I think it was like water, water, water and smoke restoration and all of that. I did a certification in everything. And then I joined the Building Services Contractors Association and whatnot. When he came back, I collect the man rent money and pay for all of them things here. So when he come tell him, I spend about $10,000 or tell your money. <laughs> Ingrid was serious. She wanted to get out of house cleaning into commercial, clearly. And she decided that she just needed to take the initiative. First and foremost, this wasn't even part of my plan, period. I have an accounting background. So during that time, though, I'm still working on growing my knowledge where cleaning is concerned. Because we don't know not, you know, we know about cleaning from our perspective, but that's really not it. it that's just the basic. You understand? It's way deeper than that. Cleaning is chemistry, biology, physics, math, everything. Mostly science than anything else. And I, and I fell in love with it. Then when again, I approached my husband about wanting to move into a different direction and he rejected it. We made a bet because I started to complain. And then he said, I was like, I know it's all like me. If he said, so he bet me. He said, I said, if you give me this business, I bet you I can double the revenue in the one year. And he said, all right. And we called the accountant to transfer the shares and everything. And him give me it. Him give me the business. He gave me the business and I started the groundwork. The first thing I did was to change the name because I wanted, I, I wanted to put my touch. So I changed the name from Stateway Cleaning to Prospect Cleaning. And then I did the, the corporation documents, completed and created an executive board of directors. And did everything different. So we turned the fry fish shop in our corporation. No more does you want a money, you go write a check and all of that. You, you get up, you get, you, you now get a W2 and you, you get paid. So I get paid when Friday come or monthly. I pay myself for an, an, an income and that's how I do. I pay myself a salary and that's how I did it. And I went to every networking event. And trust me, Big Daddy, as I call him, my husband, he, he must have come, come, put on your suit, come where I go yourself. Everything we see advertised for business, we were there. Javits Center, everywhere. We just gone. Um, I remember just getting dressed one day and said, Courtney, come, let's go into Manhattan. And so we are going, man, and I said, I want to go on bar. He said, bar in a man, you know, for one, how much for one drink? I said, lad, come on, man. I could go. And then go. And we went and we met, we met an account executive for a big corporation. We can't call people in here. And we introduced ourselves and we're there talking. 
and everything. I will become good friends and that one person there introduced me to somebody else and I saw come business start grow. When I took the business from my husband, the revenue was 77000 a year. I went to 177000 in one year. So I'm surprised my goal of doubling, you know? And, you know, it's been going good from that. It can't be this easy. A Caribbean immigrant takes over a business, albeit an existing business, gets immediate success. There has to be a couple of challenges. Shouldn't there? Wasn't there? Some of the struggles I encountered now was getting financing. I never have no credit. I'm saying I suffer. When I say I suffer, I suffer. No credit. I'm saying if I don't have credit, oh, I got this and oh, I got that. I need credit. And it go on and go on till eventually now I get a little, my husband get a credit card for me. Um, a little Macy's card and put my pan it. Then I apply for a secure credit card with TD Bank and them send no five hundred dollars and the people them send no Capital One no bust me out and Barclays Bank give a twelve hundred dollar twelve hundred dollar I'm a PM a bill and within six months I got ten thousand dollars and then that's how it grew every bank start to give me credit. But then I still not reach nowhere because the credit history is not there. It's not long. Long enough. You have to have credit for five years in order to do nothing. I remember me just come. And that was a hell. Then one day a lady called. She wanted um an MWBE. So I'm just saying, what did she tell me? And she said, you need to get registered. So I'm just tell me how I do it now, miss. And she said, go on this website. I'm going to go on it. I sit down in front of the computer, computer for one whole day because it's a whole heap of documents and I that me do. I'm submit the document. Well, according to them, I am the first person to submit an MWB uh, application in one day that is completed. The only person that I've ever done it at the time. I don't know if nobody else beat after that. I got my certification within 90 days while people were waiting for four or five years. And I got it. And we said, for me, get that. Every, I got to every MWB summit, everything them have, I go. And then I saw Goldman Sachs had a program called 10,000 Small Business and I applied. But you had to have revenue of 150,000 at the time. I wasn't there yet. I was on my way there. Little did I know that once I had made 150, I could have applied. But I thought that you had to wait till the next year when you file your taxes and showing the revenue. So when I applied, I was chosen and um, I got in the program and that was a master's program on steroids. And I grasped everything, created my business plan. They helped me, um, taught me how to improve on my negotiating skills. They did all kind of things till they had a summit. I got to meet Richard, Sir Richard Bronson. I met Tyler Perry. Imagine me sitting on the top with Tyler Perry, Richard Bronson, like big people. I addressed Congress that year, um, spoke about um, the disparity between small businesses and, and obtaining capital, you know, financing and everything. And that year was boom, one big year. Wow. Ingrid is on a roll. 
after receiving her MWBE, which is Minority Women Business Enterprise Certification, that opened a lot of doors and opportunities for her, including a few notable ones. King's Theater coming into play. I saw the construction going on, walked in the door, I met this gentleman and asked him when they were opening and he told me what was the prospective time, the expectations were open. And I said to him if they had a cleaning company to clean it. And he said, no. And I said, but you're going to need someone to keep this place up and everything. And then I started, I will start walking and telling what I mean for the dear, dear. And he said, what kind of work you do? So I said, I own a commercial cleaning company and I gave him my business card. And he said, tell him what, submit a proposal. And I submit the proposal. And yeah, I got the contract. The day when Diana Ross walked in, I was at the door. and We held it down for two straight years. Um, meet many stars and meet a lot of Jamaican people, them Capleton and all those people working at King's Theatre. For someone whom I've just met, this is one of the most laid back, interesting, jaw-dropping conversations I've had. Ingrid is so easy to talk to that before I get to the question I wanted to ask, Ingrid starts answering. I give back now to Jamaica. I have my community give back where... I send kids back to school every year. This year, we were lucky to send, to assist 100 children in the Hellshire Park community. Yo, if me ever tell you how that starts, you wouldn't even believe. Is <laughs> oh boy, me know I get emotional. Lana Man's prep. But anyway, she used to go to Lana Man's prep because my decides that she had get a good education and she had to get it. And that's a part of my taxi journey and all in something and when me leave Jamaica in 2008, I owe $150,000 in a school fee. And my day here, and one day now, you know, things in my life, I get better and things are going for me now. I call the school and tell them some more and pay them the money. First thing they never remember me. Second, they said they didn't see no money on the record. I said, I don't owe the money. Because my daughter come here. I'm never have the money and no make me she come still I'm own. I said, go and go look feet and tell me and call me back and tell me no I'm a for pay on. And the lady said, No, I'm not having a record here. I said, Miss, I'm not asking if I owe you, I know I owe you. She anyway, Mr. Williams went and him checked. Then he called me back and tell me said the school did burn down and maybe there was a fire at the school some years ago and maybe some other information. But then the lady, I think her name is Trudy Hardy, she remembered something to that effect. And Mr. Mr. said, I have the money for piano one time, but we can't piano if I even want 100 dollars a month till we're done. I must use the, send the money. Things start get better for me, just get for paid. And at one time, someone said to her, I said, tell you what. I would like, I, I am sure there are other people in my position, maybe them not owe as much as needed owe, but I would like to pay it forward. So if I can help somebody, I would want to help somebody. And that is where my give back started. Okay, fast forwarding now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I ask Ingrid to share what's been going on with her and her business as all companies, all areas of the economy is impacted at this time. Yeah, you know, things look like it never that will go work. And um, it reached a point where I was looking at a job, got a job with, got an interview with Delta and turn it down. 
go in my bed, go ball afterwards, I ask myself, what kind of foolish is that? But that was the Lord, you know, working in, 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 in different ways. I'm a praying person. Uh, God is the center of my life. I never put him anywhere else but right there. And I can be stubborn sometimes because sometimes I ask him for certain things and then I want to do it my way because I'm naturally a controller. I'm a Leo. I can't help myself. I just want to know what I need to do this and that and everything must be in a certain order. Of course, I thought I was going to be one of those businesses who was going to close down. I lost 15 clients in one day. And the same day when I lose 15 clients, I get a call from, um, you know, the, the, the big people. That I just find that God, I don't know, he works mysteriously with me and he, he tends to order my step directly where it needs to be at the right time. It's just about timing. Everything just went into timing. Faith, the key ingredient, always behind Every story of struggle, loss, success, and triumph. So, all right, Ingrid, now leave the world in a suspense. Which big people call you? The, um, recently, uh, right in the midst of COVID, we had the opportunity to land uh, a multi-million dollar contract with the, the largest metropolitan transport authority. Yeah, right. It is the uh, biggest transport Um agency in the country and so this is really really big something big and it caused this big explosion so what this entailed was because of the pandemic of course we had we were honored with this contract um to disinfect and sanitize all of the train stations and the employees work area and this company, this agency is very, very big. They have thousands of employees. And so we got the opportunity to work for them, do their areas from Connecticut all the way to upstate New York. This is no doubt amazing news for Ingrid and her company. But let's catch up. Where's her daughter now? Where's her husband? Where's her daughter's father? Let's find out. We are good. We talk every day. <laughs> Every day we're now grandparents. You know, we we you know, my daughter is now twenty five, going to be twenty six, and she had a daughter last year. And uh, I realized that over the years, everything in my life, I've never loved anyone because never, I never loved not even one person because I loved in spite of, and it has helped me through my life. I'm very forgiving. I don't hold grudges. Um, I've, I've saw where holding a grudge can cause it because that's the, you know, if I never have a grudge against my baby father, who my feet to say, should I have my back to the relationship that we had in Jamaica before him come a foreign? You know, my daughter wouldn't they get kidnapped because I know say, no for not. You understand me? But at the same time, she is the midst of all of this and everything. The other thing I say, don't just look at things from one perspective. Try to turn it inside out, upside down, and turn it wrong. And live, laugh. Make sure you laugh. Find something for laugh about. The things where you used to make me cry, make me laugh now. 
because I always laugh. And I'm happy that I have such a wonderful partner um, who understands me and loves me in spite of, you know, Courtney is such a driving force in love. My picking them like cook food, everything, you know. And uh, But one thing with my husband, he has never at any point, anything that I want to do, he supports me a hundred percent. He just say when we are when, and even if he object, he must stand up right beside me. Been now ten years, going on eleven years. In addition to not holding grudges, find a reason to laugh. What other advice does Ingrid have for us? There are times when you have your thing planned out a certain way, and sometimes you have to um, be diverse and be open to other avenues. Like I never come to America and say, I'm an accountant and I'm not going to be nothing else but an accountant. I've also been a taxi driver. Um, you know, I have been a construction worker. So it, it, it's about, these are things that are innate in me. Uh, when I, I, I lose my job, one, lost my job one time in Jamaica, I just bought a brand new car. I take it on run taxi and I was the first female taxi driver from Nagahead to Elsha. No other woman ever do it before me. And that is right before my come foreign, you know? But at the end of the day, I feel that life gear lemon, make a lemonade. You know, have to make it sweet, you know, but you have to just make it drinkable. Somebody ever like it. Ingrid also shares this perspective about her friends and family as it pertains to success and business. I appreciate them to the moon and uh, my um, family and the friends that I have around me, people, one thing I can tell you, you know, is if you want to go certain places, choose the people who you want Emily to be around you. You're going to have a, 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 um, a diverse group of friendships. Come have all kinds of friends, all kinds. But and my friends, that they may not be where I am, my whole thing is to take them with me. You understand? And if you know one company success bus, go and stand up at the bus stop car, trust me, I drive. Lick shot driver. I'm a good <laughs> All right, Ingrid. It's time we reintroduce you to our listeners. So, of course, you know my name already, Ingrid Murray. I'm the, the president and CEO of a wonderful janitorial service company here in New York, Brooklyn, New York. The name of the company is Prospect Cleaning Service, Inc. And we provide janitorial and building maintenance throughout New York State, Connecticut, and New Jersey. So we're large. We're big. <laughs> you may be wondering, why did I tell Ingrid's story in this way? Well, she didn't just come from Jamaica and made it. Clearly, I wasn't expecting taken yard version. And you probably have some more questions to ask about the kidnapping story or Ingrid's story. There's just so much more to Ingrid's story that didn't make it into this episode. And that's because we just didn't have enough time. But you may get the answer to some questions because. Uh, there's so much more to tell you guys. And, you know, I hope I get the opportunity to talk to her again. My book is coming out soon, of course. Yes. And um, we're going to be launching our coaching business and helping. And this is focused on women entrepreneurs and how to maneuver 
getting into business in America and stuff like that. So I'm definitely going to be hosting some webinars in that area and doing my own podcast as well. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this presentation of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. Share it with others who might enjoy it as well. If you have any questions, you could also email hello at carryonfriends.com or connect on social media at carryonfriends on all platforms. And as always, until next time, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends. Carry On Friends.